Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Hey, if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, I'm going to be reading selected passages out of Exodus 12, 13, and 14 this morning. We're talking about Moses. If you're new, visiting, I've been doing a series on, on Moses, and uh, uh, you can get all caught up on that. We have a channel on YouTube or our Facebook page, or we have a podcast with iTunes, and you can catch up those if you would like, but we're going to start uh, this morning, the, the fifth part of that, in the last uh, two weeks ago, <clears throat> two weeks ago, um, it was the final plague. You know, Moses, they picked him up out of the water. He's done all of the uh, plagues with Pharaoh. He has, um, you know, now, now it's time for the Hebrews to leave. If you remember the story, he went back. He said, I've got one more final plague. He had one more meeting with Moses. All right. Uh, I mean, excuse me. God had one more meeting with Moses. Moses had one more meeting with Pharaoh. Just gave him one more opportunity. And then he said, you know, I got one more meeting with the Hebrews. And then the Passover came and, the, you know, the, uh, they put the blood on the door frames of the house. And the deliverance of the Hebrews started that, you know, that particular day. So I want to pick up with that just a little bit. Exodus 12 and verse 37, it says, The Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Succoth. And there were about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. Many other people went up with them and also large droves of livestock, flocks, and herds. So it's the time to move. They've been wanting this day forever, but the time of the miracle is at hand. Gather your stuff Pack up your belongings, and it is time to leave where you have called home. Now, remember, they have never lived outside of Egypt. They, have, they are generational slaves. They have no idea what is out there in the world. There is no point of reference of any life or lifestyle. They are Hebrew by birth, but really, culturally, they're Egyptians. That's all they, you know, that's all they had ever known. The foods of Egypt, the culture of Egypt. Probably there was very little Hebrew oral tradition that had been passed down because they were living, you know, their religion. Because they were living, you know, living in Egypt. So, you know, they, they might have leaned a little more polytheistic because that was the, the religion and there was no other, you know, there was no other way of, of kind of teaching. So, you know, technically, culturally, they were almost probably Egyptians. Now, they are leaving Egypt not really knowing where they are going or what is next. Pack up and leave and go. All right, so this is a huge step of faith for these people. I mean, a huge step of faith. Now, let me tell you, I've been, I've been in ministry a long time, and I've seen people who can grasp a, a, a step of faith, a leap of faith, they can grasp it well. There are others 
They got a, they got a problem with it. They have a, they have a tough time uh, 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 understanding or walking in the, the, the leap of faith there. And I'm going to tell you who you are. If you're one of those planners, you know, you got, you got your five-year plan, your steps of implementation, you got your calendar all set with your alerts. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Those of you, you got to have everything kind of planned out. You got to know everything in advance. I want to tell you, you know, the life of faith is going to be is going to be a little a little difficult for you. Some say, you know, that you're a control freak. Some people say that, or that you're OCD. But no, you just go. Hey, I'm just organized. That's all I am. I'm just organized. I want to remind you of something this morning, that the life of faith is a step into the unknown. The life of faith is the step of the unknown. And some people can't handle this. You don't like the unknown. You don't like the unpredictable. You like to know what is happening and when it's happening and why it is happening. You want to know it. You want to plan it. And you want to buy into it. But I want to tell you, that's not the life of the unknown, and that's not the life, you know, of the, of the people of faith. There are times that God says, move, and you don't know what the next step is. And when God says move, I just want to tell you, it is time to move. It is time to move. Some of you go, I'll trust God as long as I know what the next step is. As long as I know where we're headed. As long as I... As long as I've had a little, you know, uh, uh, chance to process this, sometimes you don't. Sometimes, listen to me, the life of faith is a step into the unknown sometimes. I just want you to trust me. God says, just move. Don't try to figure it out. Analyze it. Put it into your calendar. It's just a step of faith I want you to go. The life of faith begins when you remove your hands from the situation and you trust God. Oh, there's no amens this morning, but that's good. Because some of you are just grinding. You got to have your hand on everything. You got you to be able to control some of the, some of the ledgers. That, I mean, there's some of the handles and, and knobs there. You got you, you to gotta know. But I want to tell you, people of faith, the life of faith is when you take your hands off. And you just trust God. The Hebrews, they had a promise. They had no idea where they were going. They had just a little bread they were taking with them. Wasn't sure where their shelter would be, where their, com you know, their comforts. Wasn't sure about their security. But he just said, start walking. Leave. I'll take care. I'll take care of the rest. I'm just telling you, I'm speaking to someone today. Some of you need to take your hand off. God's trying to do something miraculous in your midst and in your life, but you got to keep your hand on it and in it. And can I just say you're messing everything up too. All right? Take your, take your hand off. When Pharaoh, Exodus 13, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though it was shorter. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert toward the road of the Red Sea. So they're going from Ramses to Succoth, okay? 
just kind of a straight shot, you know, to the east. So they're headed that way. But the Lord said, take a hard right and go south. All right. So that's, that's what they're doing. Makes no sense, you know, in, in the, in the, in the, when you're mapping it, when, if you're going to Succoth, it's like going to Crawfordville, which would be our promised land in this story, okay? But he said, I want you to go to Crawfordville through Panama City. Well, what's the, you know, what's the point of that? Listen to me. God does not always lead us into the, what is the easiest or the most comfortable for us. He doesn't always do that. But we judge our life and we judge God's will that way. God, it's got to be easy. It's got to, you know, the, 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 the way's got to be smooth. The way's got to, you know, to, there shouldn't be any, uh, any mountains in the way because we think God's, God's will must be the easiest way. But can I just remind you, what is the easiest may not be what's best for you as well. God, if you look at the story, God is not trying to, God is trying to protect us from harmful things that we cannot see. So they're taking this hard right because if they would have gone straight, they would have come into some Philistine territory. There would have been a battle and a war in front of them that they were not ready for at the moment. They were not prepared for this moment. So he veers them to the right. And I just want to say, sometimes that happens to us. You don't know what's around the corner in your life. You don't know what harm is out there. You don't know what, you know, uh, 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 trap that the enemy has put in your, in your place. So sometimes God is, God is moving things around. And man, you're all upset. What's going on? This is not working. But God is doing his thing because there's something around the corner that is harmful to you. Let me just tell you something. When we pray the prayer, of the Lord's prayer, Lord, I want your will on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, that means something. When we pray Jeremiah 29, 11 for God's purpose and God's plan to come out in our life, I want you to know that means something. God is, God is having his purpose and his plan in your will. I want to remind you, do not lean into your own. There you go. Don't do it. Just trust the Lord. They don't know that the Philistines are around the corner. They just, they, just need to, they just need to follow. So if there are twists and turns, that's okay. God's got you. Just follow those twists and turns. Look at verse 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. And it said, God will surely come to your aid. And then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. So they've got the bones of Joseph. Now listen, there are some things in the Bible that we read, but we don't necessarily need to do. Okay? Like polygamy. All right? We don't need to go there. All right? This, they've got Joseph's bones carrying them around. I don't recommend that we do this. Leave grandma in the grave, all right? Just leave her there. You probably put her there a couple of years before. She should be there, so just, just let her rest, all right? 
Joseph's bones to them were a sign of God's provision and protection and promise. So even though it's unusual, when they saw the bones of Joseph in the midst of all of this craziness that was, that was going on. Where are we going? What are we doing? But when they saw the bones of Joseph, it brought them encouragement. It reminded them of the story of Joseph, how God provided for them, how God protected them, how there was a promise of protection. It, 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 it brought encouragement to them. So I have a question for you this morning. Where do you look for encouragement when your faith is low? Where do you look for encouragement when your faith is low? When you need a faith boost, when things are crazy in your life, where, where do you go to, to get, get some encouragement? Some of you forget this. You just kind of you just kind of bottom out and go, but there are some, some markers that God has placed in your life that can help bring you encouragement when you are, when you are low. What, you know, you, maybe there's a passage of scripture that, that God has spoken to you and you, and you were holding on to that, or there was a church service or a time of, a time of prayer, you know, that, that, that God has spoken to you in the past. Let me, let me tell you, reflect on those, man, they can bring bring faith. They can bring encouragement in the moment. A few weeks ago, I, I, did, uh, I, I did a little playlist in my prayer time of songs that I was singing and that were special to me when I first got saved. All right. I went back old school, the Imperials. Oh man. I pulled out a lot of those old songs that I was singing when I first came to the Lord. I wasn't necessarily dropping off in faith, but I just want to tell you, man, I had a great time in the Lord, just reflecting back on what God had done for me in that moment. So they're carrying the bones of Joseph for encouragement. So I just want to say, what are, what are you doing? What are those components that kind of, you know, the, the, the experiences that you kind of reflect on that bring encouragement, uh, encouragement to you? All right. Now, so they've moved. They are moving out. They are packing up 600,000 men, most of them with wives, probably five to eight kids, cattle, livestock, everything they own. This procession is moving into the desert. And now Pharaoh and Moses, they have some big decisions to make. All right. So when the king of Egypt was told, that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them. What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made and took his army with him. He took 600,000 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt and the officers with them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped near the sea. Wow. The, the passage says that he changed his mind. Remember the last plague, you know, when he's grieving over his firstborn, Pharaoh says, go, get, leave, leave. But yet 
in just a few days, they changed their minds or they had forgotten how God had dealt with them in the past. So instead of acknowledging all of this track record of Pharaoh and what he has known about God when he said, move on and go. Now they've changed their mind. Now they're pursuing them. They're going to go try to bring them back. And I want to just say to you this morning, some of you are the same today as Pharaoh. You have forgotten what God has said to you, and you have forgotten how God has tried to deal with you in the past, and your heart's changed, your mind's changed. You've forgotten the times that God has convicted you. You have forgotten the times that God has spoken to you, and you've just kind of moved on from that experience. That's what, that's what Pharaoh is doing. He's forgotten the multiple times he heard messages from God clearly so that, that he, would, he would give his life to God. He, he forgot the times that he witnessed the hand of God working in his life through the different miracles that Pharaoh was doing. He, was for, he, he had forgotten that. He had forgotten the times that people came to him and said, hey, listen, you need to get right with God. What's going on in your life? Man, God God is dealing you. He forgot the times that he was sneaking in prayer and asking Moses, hey, forgive, forgive my sin. Listen to me. There's some of you out here today, it's not an issue of knowledge. Man, you believe in God? You believe that Jesus is the Son of God? You have no, you have no theological issues at all, but I want you to know, man, there's a time that you need to make it right. There's a time that you've heard it, but, but and if you if you just keep waiting, you know, you'll you'll do what Pharaoh did and you'll just kind of forget it over a period of time. So some of you this morning online, I just want to say it's time to return to the Lord. It's time to turn your back on your old life. You have waited long enough. You don't need another message. You don't need another moment. You know everything that you need to know and you're just waiting. And if you keep waiting, what will happen is over a while you just change your mind. Okay? Your heart will change. Your heart will change. So let today, let today be that day. See, God sends signs that he's trying to deal with you. Don't, don't ignore, don't ignore them. Listen to God's word. Listen to God's words to you. So, so Pharaoh, Pharaoh had some decisions to make. He chose to pursue, he chose to pursue the Israelites, all right? Let's look at the Hebrews in this moment, as Pharaoh approached, the, Hebrew, the Israelites looked up, and there were Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord and said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Wow. 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 So you got Moses. He's hearing this. The Egyptians are on the way in hot pursuit. The Hebrews seem to be giving up. The Hebrews heard the same message 
as, as Pharaoh. They saw God's hand. But in the moment, you know, they are kind of giving up here. So I want to remind you of something. And I said this a couple weeks ago. At some point in your walk of faith, you will stand alone only holding to the promises of God. At some point in your life, at some point in your life, there will be no applause. There'll be no affirmation. There'll be no encouragement from anyone. It's just you standing by yourself, holding a promise that God has spoken to you. That's a lonely moment, let me tell you. That's a lonely time. You just got a promise. You're holding to something even though your, your eyes are telling you one thing, but your heart and your spirit is telling you something else. That is a lonely, lonely moment. So I just want to say to the people of faith this morning, hold to the promise of God. Don't waver in what God has told you even though your eyes may give you a different report. They had just witnessed the powerful miracles of Egypt and the, the miracle of the Passover. And now, now they're going through a, a, a season of doubt. Now let me give you something. We need a faith that initiates the miracle and we also need a faith that sustains the miracle as well. We need a faith that initiates the miracle. And we need a faith that sustains the miracle. Peter got out of the boat and he put his feet on the water. And to him, it felt like granite. Man, there was nothing moving, shaking. Man, he had a faith that initiated a miracle. He is looking around. He's waving at the guys at the boat. Look at me. Look at me. Hey, look, look what happens here. He's got his feet on the water, but it's as though it's on granite. He's standing there, but then in a moment, he begins to look at the winds, and he begins to look at the waves, and what does the story say? He begins to sink. Because there is a faith that we need to initiate a miracle. And once that process of the miracle has begun, we need a faith that sustains the miracle. When God has spoken to you, when you start to see the hand of God, it's not a time to change anything that you have done, but you need that same faith that initiated the miracle to sustain and complete the miracle. I want to say to you, don't waver when that process of the miracle begins. Don't waver what God has spoken to you or shown you. If he has started something, he will surely finish it in your life. Philippians says, being confident of this very thing, he has been who has begun a good work in you will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. Don't waver. Here they are with every miracle you could ever want to see. You know, there were times that God protected them from the judgment of the Hebrews. And here they are 
all of a sudden, just a couple of days later, the people that took this big step of faith, man, they're out there. What, what are we doing? They're, they're doubting. So I want to say, in the midst of the miracle, there'll be a faith that will sustain you until that miracle is done. You need to keep that. Moses answered the people. Here's Moses. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. And you'll see the deliverance of the Lord. Uh, the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Hey, those of you who like your hands on stuff. Hey, I got to give my opinion. Hey, I want to help God here. All right. Just be still. Just, just take your hands off. I got this. Just be still. And then it said, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. He just stretched out his hand. I want to remind you of something too. Because Moses had some promises that he was holding on to, you know, in this particular moment. One came from Genesis 15. There was a vision that Abraham had about this moment. And I'm sure Moses is reflecting on it. Here's what God told Moses, I mean, excuse me, God told Abraham hundreds of years earlier. The Lord said to him, know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country they did not know and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will come and punish the nation and serve and they... The, I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. Afterward, they will come out with great possessions. So, Moses, he's got his hands stretched. Listen, my knees would have been knocking. I'd have been so nervous, you know. But Moses has a promise that came from Abraham. Moses also had the promise that God spoke to him that there would be a day that they would move into a land that flowed with, with milk and honey. So he's standing, he kind of sounds confident here, but he's standing and he's resting on the promises of God. I just want to remind you this morning, don't judge your life by what you see. Don't let your senses determine your faith. Your faith is tied to the promises of God and they are sure, they are yes and amen. He puts his hands out. And the Bible says that a wind began to blow right down the middle of that Red Sea. All night, that wind began to blow and the waters began to divide to the left and to the right. All night, eight, nine, ten hours, the wind began to blow. Can I just remind you, that even in a miracle, I mean, even miracles take time. We think all miracles are just supernatural. Sometimes there's a process to the miracle. This one took eight hours. Now, if you're a Hebrew and you got the, you know, the e Egyptians coming, you're like, hey, 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 Lord, put that fan on high. Let's go. Let's go. But, but as he's separating the waters, he's also drying out the sand drying out the bottom so that they can that they can walk over so I want to tell you be patient 
God is at work. When you see the glimpse of one miracle, because it's taking a little time, that doesn't invalidate what God is trying to do. Sometimes miracles, sometimes miracles take a little time. All right? The Egyptians pursued them. All of Pharaoh's horses and chariots followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and the cloud uh, and, and the, the pillar of fire and the cloud of the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. I love the term, the last watch. The last watch. It's a term that's used that you see in Scripture a good bit. The last watch or the fourth watch are terms used to describe the time from midnight to 6 a.m. Last watch, fourth watch, all right? It is the darkest part of the night, okay, from 12 till 6. With limited visibility, it is so dark. And it's usually the most fearful time of the night, right? You wake up at 3 a.m., all right, checking your alarm. It's usually the most fearful time as well. But also, it's, 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 my ability is limited to do something to help because my, my visibility is, is, is limited. But I want to say to you, because I want you to see something this morning, you can see in certain passages that it is in the fourth watch or the last watch that we see God's hand revealed in a powerful way. It was in the fourth watch of the night when the disciples were on the Sea of Galilee. Man, it was dark. The winds were blowing. They thought this is over. They're trying to row, but they could not get any traction. But it was in the fourth night when God's hand was revealed and Jesus presented himself at the boat and he calmed the storm. It's in the fourth watch or at the midnight hour when the bridegroom, when the bride came and picked his bridegroom room up. I'm telling you in the fourth watch when it looks so dire you will always see the hand of the Lord revealed. It's in the midnight hour for those Hebrews. Man they are all upset. They are all disturbed. What's going to happen? It's the darkest. It's the darkest part of the night and you may can put yourself in their place. You feel stuck. You feel trapped by your circumstances. They had no obvious out. They there was no place to go. The Red Sea in front, Pharaoh's army closing in on them. And sometimes you just want to quit and you want to throw in the towel. But I want to remind you, it was the last watch. And that's when you see the hand of the Lord's presence be revealed. They were children of the Passover. They had already seen God's hand recently, his miraculous delivering hand at Passover. But God didn't mean for them just to be children of the Passover. God God meant for them to be children of the crossover. I want to remind you of something this morning. Listen, God did not save you to let you die in the wilderness. What God has started, God will finish. Listen, with those Hebrews, 
They were all, they were all nervous, but it was the last watch, and they saw God's hand divide those waters, and man, those those waters collapsed. We are not, we are not just children of the Passover. We're children of the crossover. There's a promised land in your future if you'll give God the chance. And I want to say this to you. I think there's a principle too that you can see here as well. That what God does last, he does best. What God does last, he does best. Haggai looked into the future and he said, the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. Joel said, it's the last days I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He even said, Joel did, there's a latter rain, a last day's rain that will come and your, your vats will be overflowed with oil and wine. At the wedding of Cana, it was the wine that came at the last shift that they said was the best wine. I just want to remind you this morning, what God usually does last, it's what God does the best. We are living in the last days. I think God's going to pour out something amazing on his house. I don't think he's going to sit idly by as we come to the coming of the Lord and sit on his hands. We're going to see God reveal himself in a powerful way in these last days. I believe that. Moses stretched his hand over the sea, and at daybreak, the sea went back into its place. When the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptian, the people feared the Lord. They put their trust in him and Moses, his servant. Wow. Worship team, you can come. And then the first part, just a couple of verses in Exodus 15. It says Moses and the Israelites, after they saw all this take place, Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. And Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, Moses' sister, took a tambourine in her hand. Remember we used to have tambourines in the church. Yeah, everybody that had no rhythm, you know, got, de got uh, declined from the worship team, you know, brought tambourines. We don't do that anymore, praise God. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. They saw the mighty hand of God. They saw what God had done. Moses starts to sing. The people start to sing. Miriam, the sister, it's all they got. They just start to play. They just start to sing. They just start to, to worship at the miracle that was right, that was right before them. Here is the song that they sang, just a selected part. Here's what they're saying. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both the horse and driver he's hurled into the sea. Here's their song. The Lord is my strength and my defense, and he has become my salvation. 
Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working in wonders. The Lord reigns forever and ever. That's the song of praise they gave. But I want you to imagine it magnified by a couple of million people seeing God's hand. Can I just remind you that there's a kind of praise that doesn't have to be pulled out of you, primed, pumped up. There's a song of praise that you don't have to have your favorite playlist. There's a song of praise. There's a time of praise that you don't have to depend on Brent. Come on, Brent. I didn't have coffee this morning. Shake me up. Make me worship. Get me going. Listen, he's bought new fans up under here. Keep him cool. He's working so hard. His clothes are blowing like a model on a photo shoot up here. All sweaty. There's a praise that shouldn't have to be pulled out of you. There's a praise that you don't necessarily have to be reminded about, okay? You want to know that song that they just sang? It was the song and the worship experience of liberated slaves, okay? They were generational slaves with no hope, no future, and all of a sudden they saw God's delivering hand. On multiple occasions, they saw God's delivering hand. And they couldn't wait for another Sabbath. It was such a powerful experience. They didn't wait until the next Sunday. They didn't wait to see the lyrics of the latest Maverick City song roll out. Because it was the song of liberated slaves. It just started rolling out of their heart. It wasn't on a Sunday. It wasn't in any formal kind of institution. It was just a song of worship that was flowing out of the heart of liberated slaves. Can I just say something to you this morning? We forget where we come from sometimes. All right? We've lived in the era of grace so long that we've forgotten the prison that God has called us from. We've lived in God's favor for so long that we've forgotten the, the stench and the bitterness of our former life. We've lived in God's blessings so long that we forgot the spiritual poverty that he's called us from this morning. We forget we're just liberated slaves. I want to say something this morning. Don't let the life that God has blessed you with now, look where you're at. Look where you're at now. Look where you live. Look at what's going on in your life. Don't let how God has blessed you right now make you forget that we're just liberated slaves. That's all we are. 
So can I just get a little worship this morning from the liberated slaves? This morning in your own way, will you just begin to give him praise as a liberated slave, not for somebody that's been in grace 20 years, but just a, a slave, that a sinner that's set free. Can we just start to fill this room with the, the praise of liberated slaves this morning? Can we do that? Across this building, can you just begin to magnify him? Just give him praise this morning. Can we just thank him for his hand? Come on, let's get the, the song of liberated slaves this morning. Oh, let it come out of your heart today. I want you to take a moment. We're not going to sing somebody else's song right now. This is your song this morning. This is your story this morning. Give that song of a liberated slave. Oh, tell him this morning. Tell him this morning. Tell him this morning. Come on. Come on. Let that, let that song roll this morning. Let that song of praise this morning. Oh, God, we praise you. We praise you this morning. We praise you this morning. Come on, let that song roll. Magnify him this morning. Thank him for what he's done in your life. Where were you at when he saved you? What were you doing when he saved you? What were you doing? Oh, we give you praise this morning. We give you praise this morning. Liberated slaves, that's all we are. Oh, God, we praise you today. We give you praise this morning. We give you praise this morning. We give you praise this morning, Lord. We give you praise this morning. Thank you, Lord. 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 Come on, let's praise him. Come on, let's praise him this morning. I want you to praise him. I want you to give him thanks. Lord, we worship you. We thank you for the power of the cross. Lord, we thank you for a changed life. Lord, we're reminded of where we came from, what you've called us out of, how you've changed our life. Lord, where we were headed, our destination, our spiritual destination. We remember the poverty of our previous life. We remember the bitterness of our previous life. Lord, we give you praise this morning. God, you're good to us. God, you're good to us. We give you praise this morning. We give you praise this morning. Lord, accept this song of liberated slaves today. Accept this worship of liberated slaves. Lord, we magnify you this morning. We glorify you this morning, Lord. We praise you today, Lord. We praise you today, Lord. We praise you today. We give you honor. We give you glory. Just for another moment, magnify him and praise him. The song of the liberated slave. Thank you, Lord. I don't have to sing someone else's words. I got my own song. I don't have to listen to somebody else's testimony. I got my own. I don't have to be encouraged by somebody else's message. Lord, I got my own. Lord, you saved me. You translated me. You changed my life. Lord, I give you praise for that this morning. I give you honor. I give you glory, Lord. I give you honor. I give you glory, Lord. 
I worship you today. I worship you today. Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. Hey, if you're here today and you're away from God, this is your moment this morning to go, hey, Lord, I just want to come back. Lord, I've been straying. Lord, I've known this message. Today's the day I'm coming back. I'm not waiting any longer. Coming back to you today. I'm coming home. Today's my day. Today's my day. That's your moment to pray that. Thank you, Lord. 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 We praise you today. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.